from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. We've all heard the expression, energy independence. It began to grow in popularity during the oil shocks of the 1970s, and it's still being discussed today as a principle that the United States should aspire to. But our guest today says energy independence is hogwash. He is Robert Bryce, author of Gusher of Lies, The Dangerous Delusions of Energy Independence. Welcome, Robert. Thanks for having me, Jane. My pleasure. So tell me, why do you call the concept of energy independence hogwash? Well, Jane, it just doesn't pass the the simplest of smell tests. The idea that the U.S., the world's single biggest energy consumer, can be independent of the world's single biggest business, the $5 trillion a year energy sector, is ludicrous on its face. Look, we're interdependent in multiple kinds of commodities, whether it's iPods, fresh flowers, gasoline, jet fuel, beer, tennis shoes, computers, hundreds of other commodities. We need to accept that reality. Now, when it comes to the energy market, the, the, this, this, the facts of inter- interdependence are very clear. In 2005, the U.S. bought crude oil from 41 countries. We bought uh, gasoline from 46 and jet fuel from 26. Our biggest oil c- suppliers are Canada and Mexico. Why, why do we need to be independent of them? It, none of this makes any sense when it comes down to the real numbers. Uh, in articles that have been written about you and your book, Gusher of Lies, You've been called a Texas lefty, implying that you're not someone who's likely to really have this point of view. So how did you reach your conclusions about energy independence? Well, I saw that review, and it, uh, it was amusing, and, and it's pretty accurate. Um, most of my career in journalism has been spent coming from the liberal left. There's no question about that, and anyone who looks at the articles that I've written, I think, would, would come to that conclusion. But when it comes to energy, I'm a liberal who got mugged by the laws of thermodynamics. You can't come to the energy business with a partisan agenda of left or right or green or this or that. And if you do that, if you bring this kind of a partisan agenda, you come up with the wrong answer. The simple answer to your question is that when I really delved into the numbers and really looked at the global economy, I went to Saudi Arabia, I've been to Dubai, I've been to Kuwait, um, and I've seen how the global market works. The fact is that it's just that. It is a global market. Um, and we have to accept that reality, and, and what I see happening instead is the continuation of the same rhetoric that really began with Richard Nixon about inter- energy independence, and now we have it, I think, in a much more, more dangerous kind of discussion ongoing in America in that we have virtually no dis- disagreement on this. All of the three presidential candidates, the major ones, are now saying the same thing. We need energy independence. It doesn't pass the smell test, and I wrote the book because I was tired of being lied to. Well, let's look at some of your other statements about energy. You have said, for example, that the U.S. imports about 60% of its oil, but 80% of its semiconductors. Why have you said that? What are your thoughts on that? I made that point because um, I actually borrowed it from Ivan Eland at the Independent Institute. He made the point that Look, we, we import 80% of our semiconductors, but we haven't dispatched the 82nd Airborne to Taiwan to protect our supply of semiconductors. Um, this idea that we have to militarize oil-producing regions of the world in order to have uh, stable supplies of energy is just flat wrong. Yes, we import 60% of our oil. Okay, fine. We also import 20% of our natural gas. We import electricity from Mexico and Canada. We import coal. 
Um, and at the back of, of Gusher of Lies, I, I have a list of mineral commodities of which we import 100%. So we are part of the global market. Those, those, inter, those mineral commodities, indium, manganese, strontium, yttrium, vanadium, bauxite, fluorspar, graphite, mica, these are all critical parts of our economy. We can't do without them. And so, um, yes, it's an apt comparison. We, we import 60% of our oil. Okay, well, fine. Get used to it. It's unfortunate. It might be, might be better if we imported less, but we have to adapt to the realities of the global market. You know, you also made a comment about the impact that energy independence could have had after hurricanes Katrina and Rita. Do you think that energy independence then would have been good or bad? I think it would have been disastrous. Why? Well, look, if if you really take this idea of energy independence and you take it to its logical extreme, and it is an extreme point of view, that we're going to be independent of the rest of the world. As Thomas Friedman of the New York Times has written several times, we're going to build a wall of energy independence around ourselves. Well, what happened after Hurricane Katrina and Rita, the, the, two, the two hurricanes? There was a shortage of gasoline because the hurricane uh, took out several refineries. Well, why didn't we have prolonged gasoline shortages? Because foreign suppliers, including Venezuela, the Netherlands, and elsewhere, began supplying the American market with more gasoline. In October of 2005, gasoline imports soared to what was then a record of 1.5 million barrels a day. Without those gasoline imports, without our energy interdependence, we would have had shortages. There are other comments you've made, Robert, that also will probably raise some eyebrows among some people who listen to this podcast. You, for example, call ethanol a scam. Why? Because it is. And what Look, do you base that on? This is madness. We're making, we're making subsidized motor fuel out of the single most subsidized food commodity in America, and that's corn. The idea that we can supply enough or make a difference in our oil imports by, by creating more corn ethanol is ludicrous on its face. Look, the numbers, again, just don't add up. Even if the U.S. decided to turn all of the corn produced in America, about 11 billion bushels a year, turn it all into ethanol, it would only provide about 6% of our total oil needs. Even if we took all the soybeans grown in America, about 3.2 billion bushels a year, turned it all into biodiesel, it would only provide 1.5% of our oil needs. You take them together, then we've, we've done away with 7.5% of our oil needs. We're still importing 52.5% of our oil, and we wouldn't have anything to eat. This, this idea that, that, that ethanol is going to increase our energy security is crazy. And they base it all on the farm lobby, the neoconservatives who are backing this whole craziness are saying, well, it'll reduce our reliance on foreign crude or, or particularly the Arab states and the Persian Gulf. Well, fine, we're, we're trading one potential risk, that of embargo, with a much more real risk, which is threat of drought or weather disaster. It's, it's, it's a ruinous policy that is having severe impacts and deleterious impacts on the global food market. And I think that that is really, uh, over the near, near term, is really the one issue that is going to be the most problematic, is that we are burning food to make motor fuel at a time when there's no shortage of motor fuel, and that is going to be ruinous. Has that had an impact uh, on food prices? Well, there's no question that it has. And in fact, uh, today's uh, April 14th, last um, on April 9th, the World Bank put out a report on the issue of food and fuel, and they connected directly the issue of, of food and, uh, and, and biofuels. 
they said, this is the quote, increased biofuel production has contributed to the rise in food prices. It also said, quote, almost all of the increase in global maize, which is corn, production from 2004 to 2007, the, the period when grain prices rose sharply, went for biofuels production in the U.S. while existing stocks were depleted. Look, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund are very concerned that we are facing a world food crisis. And it is clear that the ethanol scam is, is pushing uh, huge amounts of, uh, of corn into the production of ethanol. Uh, the USDA just, just came out with a study last month that said this year global grain demand will increase by 5.4% fully half of that new demand is coming from corn for ethanol. But people like the idea of renewables. Congress, of course, has set a, a very high mandate for the use of ethanol in our, in our gasoline supply here in the United States. So what is it you think needs to be done? Do Americans need to learn more about energy, perhaps, so they're less likely to go down the wrong path? Well, absolutely. I think first Congress is going to have to really deal with this this question about ethanol and the uh, the mandates that they have put in place, the 36 billion gallon mandate by 2022. But the second point is absolutely right that Americans are seriously misinformed when it comes to energy, and uh, they need to understand the limitations of the renewables that are are being put forward. Look, I'm all for renewables. I have 3,200 watts of solar panels on the roof of my house here in Austin, Texas but they don't provide me with electricity at night. They don't provide me with electricity on cloudy days. We have to be realistic about our energy policy, and Americans in particular have to educate themselves about the reality of our situation and get away from the spin. And I guess we all need to understand more about this term energy independence. Absolutely. that This is, this is, a, this is a fraud. We're being lied to, and we need to understand uh, how big and how dangerous this lie is. If listeners want to buy your book, where can they find it, Robert? Um, well, they, they need to know that they don't have to read it. They just have to buy it. Um, <laughs> but second, that, uh, as far as I can tell, it's available everywhere but Walmart. All the bookstores, Amazon.com, uh, BN.com, so uh, it's out there. Very good. It's called, once again, Gusher of Lies, The Dangerous Delusions of Energy Independence. And, Robert, thank you so much for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thank you. A footnote, by interviewing Robert Bryce, API and EnergyTomorrow.org do not endorse his book. The opinions he expresses are his solely and not those of API or EnergyTomorrow.org. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit EnergyTomorrow.org. That's EnergyTomorrow.org.